telling you this training changes lives. And this was the library event. And this is how I started it. And I thought this is so important to offer this information and background that I have. I'm Suzanne O'Brien, former hospice and oncology nurse, and now the founder of the International Doula Givers Institute. My life's purpose is to teach others how to care for those at the end of life. So if you are a family member wanting to learn how to care for someone you love at the end of life, or you are someone who wants to be a professional end of life practitioner, this is the place for you. So sit back, get a cup of tea and relax. This is the Ask a Death Doula podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Ask a Death Doula. This episode is how to hold a death cafe to start your death doula business. And death cafes are wonderful. I'm going to go into the history. We're going to talk about how they started the history and how they really are the only vehicle that you need to support your community and to expand or start your new death doula business. All right, let's start with what is a death cafe? Maybe you've never even heard of a death cafe, but I'm going to tell you that they are a global movement now. And it started with a Swiss sociologist named Bernard Cretaz. He said to himself, rightly so, he said, we don't talk about death. We're not talking about death. He said, how can we get people to talk about death? And he said, I know. He said, we will have conversations in coffee houses in these really funky places that you can have coffee and tea and cake. And he said, what we're going to do psychologically is nourish the body, right? With sweets and what doesn't feel great, like a cup of tea and a cookie, right? So he said, at the same time, we're talking about a subject that's really hard. We're going to nourish the soul. So we're going to call them death cafes and we're going to, you know, talk about something that's not talked about that's hard at the same time that we're nourishing, creating an environment to be conducive and supportive in doing that. And so he would do this. He did this in Switzerland and he had some small meetings. And then there was a man named John Underwood from England and he had heard about this. And he said, yeah, we're not talking about death. And he brought it to London and he started one in his house. And I think his first death cafe had six people in his living room. And it grew. And then in two, and I want to tell you how I found out about it, which I love. But in 2013, I remember driving up to my parents' home and my dad was on the outside porch on the, uh, over the, hanging over the rail, having his coffee. It was early on a Sunday morning. And he said, have you heard about the death cafe? And of course, you know, he knows I'm a hospice nurse and passionate about end of life education and he would get up every morning and read the New York Times at 5 a.m. cover to cover. And so he says to me on this morning, have you heard about Death Cafe? Like, you know, he had definitely had a one up on me. And I was like, what is that? And he showed me the New York Times on the front page, June, I want to say it was June 13th or June 16th, two, June 16th, 2013, the front page of the New York Times has a picture and a, and a headline that says death does not need to be decaffeinated. And it was talking about the death cafes. And so what do you think we did? We immediately started one. Millerton, New York, I can show you pictures of them. I have some videos, they were amazing. 
Um, and so starting these cafes, so what are they? They're gatherings that you just hold that people can come together and talk about death and dying with no judgment, with no driving them to any conclusion or trying to you know, tell them what they need to think about it, just holding space to be able to talk about death, something we don't do in this in this society, although we're starting to, right? We're starting to change. And, and I think that a big, a big part of that is COVID. When COVID hit in 2020, you couldn't look away anymore. You know, we were treating death like it's optional, but now we had to admit that no matter who you are and where you are in the world, that death will be one day a part of our journey part of journey of the people we love, part of our own journey. And when you're not prepared, when you don't make decisions for what that looks like, first of all, it's a thousand times more difficult at the end for everybody, period. But it also, the denial that death is going to be a part of our journey denies us to live fully, to live in the moment, to squeeze and appreciate every morsel of this life that we've been gifted so that when the day does come, we can say, okay, okay. So I want to let us really be clear on death is our greatest teacher about life. Death is our greatest teacher about life. And these cafes are a great opportunity for people to come together and just explore and just talk and even just learn or hear different perspectives. So we started ours right away in 2013, Millerton, New York, um, doing several. And then up until COVID time, when I was in New York City living on the Upper West Side, um, we had a death cafe going for years from 2017 until COVID shut us down at the library on Amsterdam Avenue, 444 Amsterdam Avenue. I kid you not, 444. My co-host for that Death Cafe in New York City with Shotzi Weisberger. And we'll do a whole podcast on Shotzi if you don't know about her already. She's amazing death educator, um, no longer physically with us in this world. However, her impact lives on and on and on. So we will talk about that. And I will share my stories about being in Shotzi's presence and, and all of that. But we hosted that death cafe together for years until COVID unfortunately came into the picture and, sh and shut that down. But death cafes are the single most important thing you could do for your community and your death doula business on several levels. So first of all, it allows you to create a space in your community to let people safely come in to learn, to talk about, to get information on what is the number one fear in the world. The number one fear in the world is death. So now you're creating a space for people to come and ask questions and have conversations and get information. By you hosting it, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about how you actually host one in a, in a few minutes, but by you hosting it, you allow people to get to know you. So now you are a newly certified death doula and this is your space and your community is who you serve. This allows them to get to know you. This allows them to come and gather information and ask questions. And then you will share 
what an, a death doula and what your services actually are. Now, of course, we know and we're very aware that death doula does not have one government licensure or scope of practice. And that's the, the thing that gets a little confusing out in the world, but it's very important for us to be clear on that. So you are a death doula. You have got to retrieve from your background and your schooling and your education of what services that you are allowed to offer. Obviously, if you know disease processes and you can do advanced directives and all of the things that come with different levels of education in that space, whatever your space is, just make sure that it reflects those services reflect exactly what you can with integrity, offer your community. So it's very important to be clear about that. But this is the best opportunity for you to help your community reduce their fear of dying and understand that there's adjunct support out, out there in the world for them for when they need it with their loved ones. Now, let's talk about how you host one and why this is the single only thing that you need to do to build your business. And I instruct all of our doula giver graduates to do this. In fact, this is how I built my whole entire business, not even having the intention to build a global inst institute. I did not have any of that intention. I just had the intention to be of service in this space. I wanna say that again. I only had the intention to be of service wherever I could, however I could in the space of end of life and life because they're not, they're not exclusive of one another. And I started a death cafe. And what I found is that doing that consistently once a month, you only do it once a month for two hours. That's all the commitment is. That's nothing allowed everyone in our community to hear about it, to come to it at the one in New York city. I mean, we had no advertising. I didn't do any advertising for it. We had law students, medical students, of course, so many people from the community, many people without their own children being very concerned of what's going to happen to them as they age. Um, movie producers, press come, you know, it was just New York times, uh, you know, reporters, everyone came to that death cafe. So many people came to that death cafe. And why I will strongly advise you to do it at your local library is because number one, isn't the library the educational hub, right? And so most people have a library card and are attached to a library, especially like middle-aged demographic. It, they have, they're, they're at the library. It's a wonderful place supporting your community to do it there. So when I went over, I remember when I went to do the one in New York City and I went and and shared with the manager what I wanted to do. And she said, how much do you want to charge for this? I said, I don't want to charge anything. I want to give it for free. She couldn't believe that, that I wanted to host an educational platform once a month for free. Death is and a positive end of life is a human right. It should not be a privilege. And this information can change people's lives and it should be available to everyone for free. And so we started them and they took off right away and it was just beautiful and they built up. Now they would put posters up and they would put it on their calendar for the library and people would share and tell each other. And I was like, people were like, oh, I can't come to that Thursday one, but I can come to next month. So it built up, it built up momentum. And like I said, I did absolutely no publicity or no, no press or sharing or any advertising on my own. It just, it just built up. 
And this is the same for you. As a new death doula, you don't have to put a penny into this. Hold it at your local library. Um, they will put it on their community calendar. People will talk about it. Yes, of course, you can share with anyone that you want, but it's an easy thing to do without having to invest money into it. You don't have to do advertising. It, it allows people, again, that live in your space to know that this is available, that know it's every, I did mine every Thursday at five o'clock, the third Thursday of the week, the third week of the month. Consistently, people shared about it and could um, put it on their calendars. And again, it was all I needed to do to build up this incredible platform. You can do the same thing. You can do the same thing. So I suggest strongly that you host them at your local library. Now, what does it take to host an actual death cafe? It takes you wanting to do it and wanting to be of service. So you want to find space, and I say give it two hours, you know, to, to do the welcomes, to do the conversation, to do any questions at the end. And then you do have to go, obviously, with your libraries. Um what their rules are at my library, I could not have anything to any food or drink because it was a liability. So they do like you when you're hosting death cafes to have coffee, to have cookies. So if you can, I would like you to do that because I think it's a really fun, important thing. But my library, unfortunately, said that we could not do that for liability reasons. Um, but you want to consistently hold it on the same time every month. You want to create a non-judgmental, loving space that every single person is invited to. You want to make sure that everyone is heard so everyone has an opportunity to share. And what I will tell you honestly from this, because people are like, what, what do I say? What do I teach? This is all I did with my death cafes is that I would start it out with telling how death cafe started, the point of death cafe to hold a space that people can talk openly about death and dying, that everyone is heard. And then I would just ask people, we'd be in a circle. So I like to set up chairs in a circle. So that has that kind of intimacy. And I would go around the room and just ask people to share who they are, where they're from, and why they're here. That is all the Death Cafe needs because that sparks the conversation. So let's say I am Suzanne O'Brien. I am a former hospice and oncology nurse. I am the founder of International Doula Givers Institute, and I train end-of-life death doulas now, doula giver specialist practitioners that are filling in the gap to mainstream medical. We have an elder care and end-of-life crisis, and we're here to fill that crisis. And that's it. Let it go on from there. Then people will start asking you questions, and you let each person do that in the room, and the conversation just takes off. We have never had it be where there's a lull in the conversation. In fact, we probably needed more hours to it, but you know, people looked forward to the next time. And then what I want you to do is make sure that you have information on you, information on your services, information on how people can get in touch with you. Let them take that with them. So you have a one sheet that will have your name, your contact information, your email information, a little bit of a bio about you, you know, who you are, why you're, you know, doing this. Why are you passionate about this platform? Let them know how they can get in touch with you and then have a list of what services you offer as a death doula. Because unfortunately, and this is the reality right now, when people need a death doula, they needed them yesterday, and that's putting it mildly. I get calls that somebody needs a death doula tonight. Somebody's on hospice. They're terminal. They're dying. They're actively dying. It is a mess. It is a mess because we're not talking about it, and of course it's going to show up. And when it does, it's a train wreck usually. 
And I want to tell you something. There are weeks that I have requests for three doulas that I can't fill because we just don't have them everywhere. And we just don't have them that that person needs them there tonight. And of course, people can't drop everything and be there tonight. And maybe they're working with another family. And we only advocate for death doulas to work with one end of life family at a time so that they can guide them that whole entire journey. They can't be running in and out like the hospice team is doing right now. And there's no judgment there. That's just how the structure is set up. And so you want to have a list of the services. So let's say you do elder care doula. Let's say you do doula giver care consultant. So you help people with advanced care planning. You do end of life doula. You do grief work. You do life doula work. You can have all of those. And then what I would say is have a opportunity for them to book a 30 minute free consultation with you so they can find out more. That should always be an option. Um, and the other thing that I'm gonna say is build your resource, uh, your mailing list from it. So have a, um, I'm a clipboard, maybe I'm dating myself with this now. I don't think so though. I think that's still all good is have, and again, our demographic really is still in that, you know, that older kind of generation have a clipboard with a mailing list and ask people if they want to be put on your mailing list so that you can now start for your business, for your education, your community support, an email list to let people know when you're offering different workshops and things of that nature and just end of life education that they are interested in. So you start building your resource list. So two things you want to have there as the host of the Death Cafe, you want to have a one sheet that they can take with them of your contact information, a little bit about you, the bio and the services you offer, how to get in touch with a free consultation, and then another sheet that is going to be building your mailing list. This is the only thing you need to do to build your business. Remember that every month there'll be new people coming, more people coming, and you'll just snowball it from there. At the same time that you're building your business and letting people get to know you and know what you know a death doula does and the support that's out there and the support that's not out there in the world, you're serving your community. You're holding a space for them to come get information on what is hospice care? What, what is the aging crisis? What questions do I need to ask a doctor when I get a terminal diagnosis? Like there's so much information that you have and you're creating a safe space to allow your community to come get information that will completely change their end of life journey with not only them, but with their loved ones as well. There could be no greater service that you offer at this time. So you do that for free every month. And at the same time, you're letting people know about the services you offer for pay as a deaf doula. So this is the only thing that you need to do. And this is the only thing that I did. And again, I tell you that if I may, I'll just tell you shortly about how I started my um, library event is that I was a hospice nurse and I was completely broken at how the deaths, most of the deaths were not going well, were not going well. And I was so frustrated and upset and seeing so much suffering that didn't need to be there. And as a hospice nurse, I was seeing patients for one hour once a week if they were stable. Well, we know death 24 seven, end of life is 24 seven. And death is the number one fear in the world. And we have families doing 98%, 98% of the hands-on care, even with hospice care. I'm supposed to teach them how to do the care. The model doesn't work. 
And so with all this sadness and frustration, I just, I came up with a training program that could teach families if that's really what we're supposed to do as the nurse, manage the care and teach the loved ones how to do the care. And, and there's, we can't do that because we're only there one hour, once a week, people come on very late, they're, they're petrified. There's no fluid sense of doing that. It's basically running in and putting band-aids on that end of life case, terrible. And then that person dies. I came up with three distinct phases from all of my end of life experience of end of life there. I could put it into three distinct phases and I could give you interventions to use the family to use for each one of those phases and infuse it with bedside examples and stories. And I, I knocked on my CEO of my hospice's door, which I have to tell you, I had never talked to him before. And I told some of the nurses that have worked there for a long time. And I said, I have this idea and I think this can help families. And they were like, well, if you want to go ahead and knock on his door and, and go, go, go right ahead. They kind of thought I was crazy. And I knocked on his door because this is not about me. This is about every single family that is not having a good end of life and is suffering a thousand times more than they already are going to suffer saying goodbye to somebody they love at the end of life. They had it a thousand times, if not 10,000 times harder. So I knocked on his door and he said, come on in. And I said, end of life is not going well for most of the patients and families. And he said, you know, well, I said, we're not there enough. We're, we got to, he goes, nope, that's all we can do. That's all we can offer. And kind of that was that. And I said, I have this idea. Here it is. I have this training that really works and it can be a game changer. And he's, he looked at it and he read it and he said, this is great. And then he said, we can't do it. And I said, why? And he goes, cause we won't get reimbursed for it. We won't get paid for it through insurance. And that was so frustrating to me, kept hearing this reimbursement, this reimbursement blocking it. And finally I asked, and this is again, almost 20 years ago, what is the reimbursement? And people who are on hospice care, hospice is paid what's called a daily per diem. So every time that person that's admitted to hospice care, every day they're on hospice services, that hospice gets paid a daily per diem. So that hospice at that time was being paid $166. So finally, because I was asking, well, what is this reimbursement? Why is this blocking this? How much is it? $166. I said, oh, go ahead and keep your money. I said, I'll go teach this at the library for free. And that's what I did. And so I went over to the library in the Hudson Valley and I said, I'd like to teach this workshop for free. It's a, and I call it end of life doula. It's a level one family caregiver, how to care for your loved ones. And the ideal time to learn this is before you ever need it so that you can really absorb it, that you can have this tool in your toolbox that a hundred years ago, a grandmother used to hand down to a grandchild. We've lost it. And I wanna remind you right now that death is not a medical experience. It's a human one. And it's a holistic human one that can go so well with the right kindness, education, and support. We can't go back and do end of life again. We get one opportunity to have it go well. So I was, I went to the library and I said, I'd like to offer this workshop on a Saturday. If you have it available, let's, and I want to give it for free. And guess what happened? Not a seat left in the room immediately, immediately. Every time I did these. And I want to tell you a story and it brings up a lot of emotion for me because in the beginning there, I think there were 51 people in one of the first workshops I did. 
they were pulling chairs from other rooms. They were, they could not, they could not find enough chairs for people who wanted to. The local newspaper did write a story on it and the library said we were doing it, but people wanted this. They're, they're starving for the truth about end of life. And I remember we went around the room and some people shared why they were here. And there was this one man, I want to say he was in his late sixties. And he said that he was here because his son just got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And that he wanted to learn everything he possibly could to help his son. And at the end of this workshop, a few hours later, there's a picture of this man standing up and smiling with other people. There is peace in this healing. There is, there is inspiration. It helps you heal grief. It empowers you with these skills. I'm telling you this training changes lives. And this was the library event. And this is how I started it. And I thought this is so important to offer this information and background that I have. And so then I put it online so that it wasn't limited to just people in my geographical area. And then we started getting people to that level one caregiver training from all over the world. I mean, people email me and say they're getting up at two o'clock in the morning to be on because I do it live and I answer questions live. And this is how it started almost two decades ago. And this is how it continues today. That level one end of life doula training is given every month. It is given live and I stay on and answer all of your questions. So again, if you would like to join that, it's coming up soon. The link is below in the show notes. This is how I started. And I only wanted to follow guided inspiration to show up where I was being called to do that. And every time that it said, okay, put it online. And then all of a sudden we have a incredible global institute and what happened with some of the live level one trainings is people would come up to me and say at the very beginning and say, I could do this. I could do this as a, as a occupation. I could do, I could just like a birthing doula. And I thought, wow, this is exactly what we need. So I built out the whole death doula certification that is now known as the, the doula giver specialist program for practitioners. There was no foresight into building this global community and institution with practitioners from all over the world. That was never the intention. The intention was what is being asked in front of me and how can I show up? And you can do the same exact thing. If you just open your heart to that intention, and I will tell you whatever is being asked of you to step into in that intention will fulfill you and make you feel so much peace and connectedness and wealth, not money wealth, wealth in energy, wealth in alignment, which is what we need to do. That is how you find the alignment. And that is the only thing that is the important thing in our life. So step into what's being asked of you. But for those of you who are death doulas, this is the only thing that you need to do. And it's the most empowering thing that you can do on so many levels is to start a death cafe at your local library or another area, but I love the library and do it consistently every month, have your service resource list and build your email mailing list. Be consistent, be of service, and you will see everything else fall into place.
If you have any questions for me, please write them below. I would love to help you. And we're being asked by death doulas from all over with all different backgrounds, how they can really reach their communities. We'd love to help you. This is what Doula Givers Institute is here to do. So please, again, leave any of your questions down below or comments. I am so honored and glad that you are here answering the call because this is how we change the world. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. This was Ask a Death Doula, and I'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for being part of Ask a Death Doula podcast. Please remember that everyone everywhere has the ability to have the good death with the right education, kindness, and support. See you in the next episode.